Welcome to Sustainable 227. Welcome yourself to Sustainable 227, my magnificent chum. How are your various bits and pieces? Falling off, sore, oh, dear me. you know, boil or whatever. Well, we're not going to do it. I listened to the, I listened to the last episode. I actually oh, listened nice. to the last episode. And I thought, like, what a self-indulgent, mealy-mouthed, whiny, woe-is-me little ill person who should get a grip that's what i thought of myself so i'm not going to be that person anymore i'm fine everything's great brilliant jolly good how are you we um yeah oh, oh me troubles let me tell you about no i'm fine <laughs> we are sustainable we are your friendly little weekly environment podcast in we all yes all about people and the planet and why despite everything having sharp corners we can sometimes find a reason to sand them off, yes? Absolutely. We can smooth the edges of this rough old world because this week we're going to talk about the circular economy. And that doesn't mean the planet watches what is spherical and therefore is a sort of circular economy. No, it, it doesn't means, mean the Jaffa cake market. It doesn't mean the Jaffa cake. It doesn't mean the hula hoop market. It doesn't mean any of those things. It doesn't mean the North Circular, the South Circular. It means none of those things. Little, uh, little joke about orbital roads in London for you there. Uh, No, it doesn't mean any of those things. It means using stuff again, keeping things circulating uh, in our lives rather than our current model. Um, Well, is that what it means? We are talking to somebody who's written a book about it and is going to tell us exactly what it means um, and about how we can make it a thing. And that person is the rather splendiferous Claire Potter. Yes. Sorry, yes. I was just sorry. Yes, you just wanted to say something. Yes, yes. yes. I'm here too. Yes, yes. Dave's here, and if he was here more, he would say that Claire is a senior lecturer <laughs> at the University of Sussex, oh, yeah. um, and she is an academic. Well, obviously she's an academic, uh, and she's a plastics and sustainability activist. Yes, Claire has written a book called "Welcome to the Circular Economy." Did you say that bit? No, I said that's that what the she was the author. I didn't say that was what it's called. That's what it's called. Uh, and we're going to talk about that. Just before any of that, all three things I want to say to you. Oh, gosh. Thing number one, we do work for environmental charities, don't we, all? We do. But these are very much our own views. So if anything that we say makes you despairing, want to fall into a circular hole, take it up with me and all directly, but not with anyone for whom we work, yes? Yeah, don't be such a bunch of squares, though. Just, you know... Leave us to it. Second thing is we are a listener-funded podcast, so if you like what you hear, or even if you don't and you just are sympathetic for some reason, you can get involved with your cash. That is at wobblywobblywobbly.patreon.com slash sustainababble. Thank you so much to everyone who chucks in some dosh. Join some, them! Some circles, some sort of some virtual digital circles virtual into things. our economy, yeah. And thing number three, before we go any further, Al, I just wanted to say I've had some advice from an elocution expert and I just wanted to try something out on you. So you ready for this? Is this going to be a very prolonged dad joke? Nope, that's coming at the end. I've got one of those for you. Okay. No, here we go. Squirrels. Hey, congratulations. Yeah. Squirrels. The problem yeah, is mean, the it's... dark L. That's what my elocution expert stroke wife said. And I need to not do that squirrels that's where it go wrong look at you with a wife oh just because oh, oh just because no one wants to marry you <laughs> get on with it <laughs> you mean recycling right that's what the circular economy is well do you know what? Recycling is part of a circular economy, but I, I like to use metaphors of cake. So whenever I'm Good. teaching, I, oh, I love cake. No, oh, man, we could talk about cake for an my level. hour. Straight onto my level. And if you think about cake, if a circular economy was a cake, recycling would just be a bit of the cake. So it might be the sprinkling bit, but it's certainly not the thing that is the most important bit of a cake. So we could argue what the most important bit of cake was. I see. The filling. <laughs> the filling, yeah. Do you know what? A buttercream. I'm a bit of a buttercream person. Mm. Um, but recycling is not the most important part of the circular economy, but it is the thing that quite often gets jumped to. 
And that's partly because it's the thing that we've done for a long time. So the whole reduce, reuse, recycle, we've grown up with. I had a T-shirt with it on when I was a kid. Um, We recite it really easily. You can ask almost everybody in the street the three R's, reduce, reuse, and people will finish it off with recycle. But recycling has become the thing that we do first. So instead of it being reduction and reuse and then recycling, recycling has kind of been the thing that we've done more. So when you say circular economy, quite often people go hey recycling I do that and it's like no 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 we need to rewind a bit add a few more R's into the mix and you know then recycling becomes part of it but it's right at the end it is the sprinkle on the cake it's certainly not the bulk of the cake so we've got we've got our R's backwards have we oh. so when I'm sort of trying to work out what a thing is I usually try to imagine what what life would be like if we had that thing Mm-hmm. So imagine you're sitting, it's 20 years time, it's 2041. The babble is still going strong. Everything else has fallen apart. And you're sitting there and we are living in the most circular of circular economies. And what, is it, what does that look like? And what does it feel like? Is it fun? So if we think about a circular economy, um, it's the kind of thing that we might not have, un- might not have heard the phrase before. But when we think about it in the terms of nature, we can actually connect it really easily. So what we have now is we work and live in a linear economy. So we take something out the ground, generally, we make something, we use that thing, and that thing could be a car, my socks, uh, you know, anything, big, small, um, but we use it and then it ends up going to landfill or incineration. That's the linear economy. But the way that nature works is circular. So it's in loops and it's in cycles. So nature doesn't create waste. Nature generally doesn't create a problem for itself because another species or something else is coming along to use that element or to benefit from that element or to support another species. So things work in communities and loops and togetherness. So we're the only species that doesn't work like that. So in 20 years time, if we had a brilliant working circular economy, we would be working just like nature. We would be working together in loops and um, helping to regenerate the nature around us to create our own energy in the way that nature does. Um, Even things like utilising waste to create a new product or repairing the things that we have, just like we used to do generations ago. Um, My granddads were engineers and they had the skills and the tools and probably the time, actually, to be fair, to actually repair stuff. So when something was was broken in their household or a local household, they could repair it. And if we think about the way nature works, if something busts, then it gets generally repaired. Um, that's how we really should be working more in the sense of community, but in loops the same way that nature does. I've just repaired the toaster, sir. Well, I've nearly repaired the toaster. Oh, no, man, dismantle him. You don't know what the little bleeder's like. Oh, likes fixing things, don't you, Well, How's the how's that insulation going in, all right? Uh, yeah, it's it's it's, uh, it's insulating <laughs> the bit of the wall it's piled up against <laughs> very well. That particular little patch of wall, I would say, is very That's well insulated. That's the warmest wall yeah. in yeah. the south of England. That's got an excellent yeah. new value, I'd say, that little section just there. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yes, I like fixing things. I get I get a huge sense of satisfaction from fixing things. Is that um, you, is your babble uh, thing still held on with gaffer tape? It is. There? Yes. Yes. Very yeah. good. That's what yeah. fixing means generally. Is gaffer taping it. <laughs> yeah. But that's fine. What's wrong with a bit of gaffer tape? You know, exactly. hold stuff together. And I think yeah. what's what's lovely is just, as you've just said is that we get we we you know we feel warm when we've repaired something. You know, we've used a skill and we've kept that thing going for longer. And sometimes it's an economic thing, i.e. I don't have to buy that thing. I can't afford to buy that thing. But it is really empowering to go, do you know what? That's broken, busted. And I can either amend it and make it last better, or I might even be able to make it work better. So repairing is not just about fixing stuff that's broken. It's about making things fit better in your lives as well. And that's a massively empowering thing to be able to do. Okay, so let's let's do this together then yes uh yes, so you've got a way in your book what is here what i'm holding i like holding Oil has real, actual actual hard holding back. a real book really not very circular all. uh no it's i would say it's rectangular yeah this book as most books are uh and uh in your book you've got a way that sort of everyone can work out uh what their circular economy nurse is 
Um, well, tell us what that is, and then can we kind of do that? Well, let's, we'll, let's do it. Let's do it yeah. in real time. Let's do it. I want to work out what my circularness is. Do How it. do that? Do right. it. Yeah, so basically the, the methodology I've sort of come up with, because as we were already touching on, the circular economy is really complicated, but then each of the different bits of it is 100% what people might do already or know at least something about. So I sort of imagine it like a spider's web, because if you think about community in the way that we need to work together, it's just like a web in the sense that you can twitch one little bit and it will have the effect somewhere else. So what I've created is this spider's web, which each of the strands relate to one part of the circular economy. As you can see there, there. there's a nice plain one. And actually in the book, I fully encourage people to scribble in the book you know it's it's a thing to be used it's not a thing to be precious about but the idea is that it's up to you to plot where you think you are so i'm not giving you the rules so i'm giving you a few suggestions in the book of you know on the repairs thing do you repair stuff like your microphones like your windows do Do you do let's do it let's do it let's do it let's do it let's do the uh, i've got a bit of paper i've got a bit i've got the book in front of me so what what are the what are the 10 things and then and then, and what am I doing? Am I ranking myself? Yeah, so basically things? you're ranking yourself through all of that. Now, this actually is in the beginning of the book. So the ranking might be different at the beginning to what it might be at the end. So at the uh-huh. moment, you're thinking, where am I now? And then the book will take you through the process of learning a bit more and pointing you a different direction. So you can rank yourself on everything from responsible retail through to regulations. Do you know a lot about different regulations? I know you guys do. So you'd probably score pretty high on that that whereas somebody else love a regulation oh i love a regulation absolutely love a rules regulation. rules are needed unfortunately um whereas somebody else <laughs> might have no idea what the latest ipcc report said um or anything like that so they might just go do you know what that's nothing i know a lot about so it's completely up to you how you rank yourself give yourself a score right, of one Dave. to ten let's st- let's start at the repair one start at like scoring out of ten uh, so yes, yes. Repair. So this is naught to ten. So how from naught to ten? How is it? How often do I repair? Up to how you. good am I at repairing? How oh, often do you repair? How good are you repairing? Is it something you would even consider, or are you like, do you know what? No, don't have the time. Don't have the expertise. I I'm going like, to answer this for, on your behalf, Dave. <laughs> I feel like I'll know the answer to this. Is that can you do minus scores? <laughs> Dave, Dave just breaks things like all of our microphones ever. Yes. Fair. Uh, so I'm going to give myself a, I give myself a one. Yeah, a one or a two. Or I'm that. having a one. I think that's, that's fair. Two. Not because I, I understand it in principle. I just I'm not very good at it. That's fair so. enough. Right, repair. Okay. Here. Right. Good. Yeah. What's uh, next? Next is refill. Ooh. So like taking stuff to the shop and getting more stuff. Yeah. Taking, so taking like a washing up liquid pot and getting more washing up liquid in it. Exactly. So do you have a, reta- a refill store local to you? Some people might not. Yeah. So yeah, if you do, do, do you use it? Or even no. do you take, you know, your reusable coffee cup? That's a kind of refill as well. So you could yeah, say I that. Yeah, do that sometimes, yeah. Water yeah. bottles, that is reusable, yes. but you can shift Ooh. that into the refill if you want as well. But yeah, there's lots of different things you can mm. put into that. I give myself a four because yeah. I've got a shop. I've got two shops indeed because I live in Trendy Crystal Palace. There's two shops around the road. I do occasionally go and refill stuff. But then what happens is I took, I had a paper bag and I took the paper bag to the refill thing and I put it under the seeds and I accidentally got a massive paper bag full of seeds that cost me 25 quid. Oh. Yeah. So you, need to, you need to be very careful with the refill. <laughs> this is what I've learned. On the plus side, got loads of seeds. What have you got for that? Oh. I've got a four. I'm, a I'm four. giving you a four. Okay, I gave myself uh, one, two, three, four. I gave myself six on repair because I'm quite. We're not talking about repair anymore. Yeah, no, but talking. I just I didn't tell you the score on uh, on refill. I was giving myself sort of three. I'm, yeah, could do better. Could do better. Could okay. Do better. Okay. What's next? Maybe uh, we shouldn't do all of these because then there's no reason for people to buy Claire's book. Let's do do a couple more. Do a couple all right. More. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, yeah. Well, some of the, it gets upside downy, so I have to turn the book around. Yeah, it's an uh, interactive com- book. I'm, I'm confident gonna, you're I'm, up to that. Gonna, <laughs> rent. rent. Rent, Dave. I pay mm. a lot of rent. You do pay a lot of rent, don't you? <laughs> so, ten. Ten, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so things like rent is to think about, do you consider renting an item rather than buying it outright? 
So, for example, it might be a piece of kit. So say you're going to try a new sport. Are you the kind of person that will immediately go and buy that item to try that new sport? Or would you consider maybe using a rental platform to just rent it for a couple of days rather than buying it outright? And there's lots of different ways that we can think about rent, but that is certainly one of them. It's sort of borrowing as well, isn't it? Which I suppose is begins with a B, so you can't yeah, have it. But it's the it same sort of fit. principle, like... <laughs> There's that when I moved to where I currently live, uh, it's like a terrace and everyone has got a very small garden. And the guy who lives next door to me is like, please just borrow my lawnmower. Don't go and buy a lawnmower. Like everyone on this street has got a lawnmower for their tiny garden, which is like one lawnmower could do this whole street. Like just borrow mine, which I was very pleased to encounter that. But um, is that sort of that's probably included in the renty bit is it 100 percent. that is i mean ultimately even though um it doesn't begin with an r borrowing is certainly very very much part of a circular economy like that because as you've just demonstrated not everybody needs a mower generally people will only need a mower for a short amount of time um and if you can share a mower and you have lovely neighbors like that then that is the best thing. Sharing tools that are bulky, expensive. Yeah, that is very much part of the circular economy. Sharing or collaborative consumption, it's called sometimes as well. Play the collaborative consumption musical. There we go. Um, I rubbish at this for a couple of reasons. Firstly, because I'm really suspicious of other people. Secondly, because my neighbours are all gits. You do have trust issues, don't you? I do have trust issues. Mm. And thirdly, because uh, it just... I was brought up a good consumerist, right? And, like, I find the instinct not to immediately reach for new thing quite hard. It's quite deep in me, that instinct. Like, mm-hmm. I like new thing. It is an instinct. Like, I, and I'll all tell you about this. The number of times I've said to him, can we buy this new thing? And I'll will say something like, well, can we just use the old thing again or can we fix the old thing but my instinct is always to get new things so i think i'll give myself a two because i did borrow a baking tray from megan downstairs before she moved out oh congratulations <laughs> <laughs> and we're but you're not also again. a bit of a tight bastard <laughs> like I, I think you've got that instinct too haven't you because i think uh, that, as much as anything that's why i do borrowing because i'm a bit of a tight bastard mm. yeah i mean i think that's it's really key. I think many people do have that instinct of I need something, I buy something. And because now we can just pick up those little gadgets in our pocket and just one click and get the thing and get the thing, whatever it is, delivered to us tomorrow. Sometimes people think it's a bit more of a faff to try and find it in a different way. And exactly, if you haven't got that connection with your community, then it becomes even harder. Um, and trust is certainly part of that. You know, there are platforms available which do allow you to kind of have some kind of rating system for people that you can borrow stuff from. But then if you're lending Ooh. something that's got value to you, then you've got to trust that it's going to come back and come back to you, you not broken. Um, and it's going to come back in the time that you want those things you borrowed from me over the years you know the, the tv trays the power sander the downstairs bathtub you're gonna be needing those things in cypress creek yes oh. i've just realized that opposite the place where you can get refills from is, is is a library which not only do i never use but not only that but the library has got in it a library of things oh, so it amazing. has like strimmers and you know really? bread makers and stuff and i've never once used it and i've been i've been living here for six years so i think i'm getting one because i borrowed that baking tray off of megan downstairs and why do you why do you think you haven't used it have you not needed to use anything or is it not even well, crossed your mind uh mostly it's because i like i rent which is why i should get 10 um and so i don't do any of the diy around it so i don't need any diy stuff and i've got things because i bought them um and also, libraries are full of people, and I don't like people. <laughs> Goodness me. Uh, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is why we didn't fix climate change, because Dave doesn't like people. <laughs> let's do one more. Let's do one more. Uh, what, uh, let's do one okay. more, and then we'll, we'll talk about other stuff. Okay. Else um, well, uh, let's, let's do regulate, because that's quite an unusual... Usually in these sorts of things, these, you know, you don't really get the, get the regulate stuff in there. Uh I I love a good regulation and in my kind of serious job I try to get more of them. <laughs> I try to stop people doing what they want to do and 
put rules in. So I'm going to give myself 10. What's there. the actual criteria here? Is it do you know what a regu- do you care about regulation? Do you call for regulation? What am I trying what am I doing? It could be pretty much anything. So it could be that in your day job you do a lot of it, you know a lot about it. It could be that you're generally pretty when I say politically active, I mean that you're quite active in learning and want to learn more about it. So it might be you do it in your job. It might be you know a little bit about it. It might mean that you know a lot about it. So you are looking up the latest reports that come out. You are the one clicking on the links and reading even the executive summaries that you get at the beginning of these these reports from no, multiple no different organisations. do they? <laughs> well, I have to say, yes, I definitely do. But um... <laughs> You're the person. <laughs> it does depend on the report, to be fair. But it's kind of up to you on all of this. So how engaged are you in that? Or how engaged do you want to be in that as well? That's a different question. Yeah. But I give myself, I'm giving myself 9 out of 10 for that. Because frankly, Ol and I have been talking about regulations. Just for this bloody thing, I have to know about regulations. The reason I'm giving myself 10 out of 10 is because I find it all monumentally tedious. And some people really love it, so they can have a 10. But I think in terms of knowing about it, and as Ol says, actually thinking it's important, I'm yeah. having a nine. What are you having, Ol? Yeah, I'm going to give myself a nine as well, definitely. Um, I good. do love a regulation. Well, they are very important. I find them really exciting. Oh, hello. Ten out of ten over here. <laughs> Golly. <laughs> Eleven. Turn to how much? Well, Claire loves regulation more than anyone. <laughs> Not quite, but I do love them. I do love them. <laughs> So, Dave, let's see your spider web diagram. Well, How's it looking? And we haven't done all ten, so you won't get the full. Are you loop. looking? Oh, nice. Okay, <laughs> like that. It looks like that. Um, oh. Which is for, what I'm holding up is basically something where three of the things haven't got anything on it, and one of them's got a very high thing on it. So, yeah, that's mine. What's great? Got? Oh, you did an actual spider's web. Yes. Oh, very clever. Yes, because yeah. you'll notice we talked hang about on, I'm it take, being I'm gonna, a spider's web. Hang on, I'm taking, a little, I'm going to take a little screen grab of this and we'll put it on our... Wait a minute, where are we? Great radio. Okay, though. superb. Very good. That'll, that'll, that'll set Instagram alight, won't it? Good. So we've established that Ol is green Jesus, as usual, and Dave is going straight to green hell. I haven't told you that I bought a tumble dryer, have I? Why? Apart from anything else, it ruins your clothes. What have you done that for? Because I've got a child at school and it's winter. Well, you put him in the tumble dryer. And he needs he needs really drying out <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the time. <laughs> it's a very 21st century punishment. Uh, no, not, it's that's, like, that, like, you know, up against the least green things you've done, and that's up against some pretty stiff competition. Yes, obviously, I felt very bad about it. Ish, I mean, for about five seconds. For about maybe. five seconds, I, I got the best sort for conserving it. It's got a heat pump in it; it retrieves its own heat. Oh, that's pretty special. Mm. So, it's, it's what that means. Well, it means that, like, instead of loads of heat, instead of having to keep making it warm, it uses its own warmth to make it warm. If you see what I mean. Okay, uh, well, we're going to so come back good. to your tumble dryer. What? If not today, then in future episodes. But we're just going to... Yeah. Okay. Next time I get told off for doing something like, I don't know, leaving a light on for 10 seconds longer than it should have been on, we shall remember the tumble dry. So what I wanted to ask, Claire, is we've done that. Who is the biggest green cock? Who is the biggest green cock? What, out of the two of you? And you have to, or you out have to explain... everybody in the world. Oh, well, we'll come to that. But what is a... You have invented a phrase that we like very much and may be stealing with due credit. What is a green cock? And then which of us is the largest one? Oh, so green cocking is... Um, I think comes in, up in the, the, the retail section of the book. And it's kind of to think about... If you think about peacocking. So peacocking is generally the term where you're... Dressing to impress, just like the peacock fanning its feathers and you're shouting about how amazing you are. Um, And then if you think about the greenwashing element, which we see a lot of companies doing, i.e. look at this amazing thing that we're doing over here. It's brilliant. La, la, la. We've got an advertising campaign about it. Don't look at all this stuff that we're kind of doing that's a bit pants. If you combine those two, it was basically like the green cock. So you're peacocking and shouting about the amazing things you do. Look, 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 look. And then you're combining that with the green wash and the stuff that you're not doing so great. And then you basically end up with the green cocking 
or a green cock, which I quite say in the book, nobody really wants to be a green cock. So I don't think either of you are really the green cocks in this because <laughs> you're very <laughs> honest with what you're doing and what you're not doing so great. <laughs> I've been called a green cock before, but not for that reason. If we, if we were starting Sustainable again from scratch, I would now want to call it green cockers or green cocking. Because oh, that's basically what this podcast, that's basically what this podcast is about, I think, but it's a very good term for it. It's yeah, the it idea of like it, yeah. pe- people over here trying to pretend to be green when over there they're not. So green cocking it is. So maybe we should, uh, we should have green cock of the week from now on. Oh, well, that would be amazing. That would be awesome. You should do it. I asked the chair, you know what this is? It's a snowball, and that's just from outside here. So it's very, very cold out, very unseasonal. So here, Mr. President, catch this. Mm-hmm. So when we, uh, we look at the, the economy as it is now, sadly not, well, to correct me if I'm wrong, but sadly not a very circular economy, right? It doesn't feel like it. And when you, I mean, listening to you describe what happens in nature and how it all works and makes sense and has existed for millennia it is kind of bonkers when you look at how we actually do things like it's digging stuff up leaving mess behind buying it selling it chucking it away burning it how did that become the way we do things yeah when you put it like that that is that is exactly why it does sound so bonkers um a lot of it just comes down to money how did people make money? So the economics of the way our economy has been built has been built around buying stuff, selling it, making more money out of less out of more things, making you turn over the stuff that you own as quickly as possible to make companies more money. Um, greed, I would say. Greed and lack of respect is how we've got to where we are now. Now, of course, when we think about the natural world, there isn't really the greed and lack of respect as the way that we have now, because obviously we are the most dominant species and we have things like the Internet and Instagram, which will show us all of the pretty things every single day. But a lot of it has just come down to the fact that we thought that the Earth was a completely... um, it, It was something we could dig into all of the time and it wouldn't run out. And we wouldn't have the power to create such monumental change to our home rock that we could just carry on doing what we wanted and nature would just keep on, you know, churning out the resources year on year on year. And we've now got to the point, actually we got to the point in sort of 1960s perhaps, when we realised that, oops, this isn't going to happen forever but nobody really did anything about it. And why? Because it wasn't in the name of creating profit. So that's how we've got to how we are now. Um, And it's pretty scary when you do read the regulations and the reports and things and you see what is being predicted for our planet. And I think if we were to try and eliminate one thing, it would be global greed, but not of an individual per se, but of large corporations. So which ones? Because I like specifically, specifically, who were the bastards? Who were the green cocks? In fact, oh, 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 give me a green cock of the week. Oh, how should I do this one? Um, green cock of the week. I think it, no, it's not green cock, is it? It's green cock, like green cock of the week. Better, better, okay, love it. <laughs> so, who would be the green cocks? Or, um. Well, if you're going back, you'd be going back to the fossil fuel companies who understood that climate change was a thing and was a thing that they were actually helping to create. Oh, that was back in, what, the 60s? So they are some of the original green cocks. Um, Of course, we get to live in a decarbonised community and world, so we are still reliant on fossil fuels. Um, We are transitioning out of that, but we could have been transitioning out of that way quicker if a lot of companies that realised that they were potentially the original green cocks actually held up their hands and went, mm, maybe we can think of doing this a bit of a different way. So they're definitely on the green cock list. Mm. Other sectors have their own green cocks as well. Um, we can think about the fashion industry. They've got a huge, huge amount that we could choose from. But mostly the ones that are pushing the fact that fashion is out of date the next week 
that you go into a store and everything has been moved around to try and trick you into thinking that you need more stuff because all of a sudden there's something new in the window or ones that will be able to sell you a bikini for a pound. It's insane to think that something should cost a pound. And if something's cheap, somebody's paying along the line. It's the environment or it is people or it's likely both. So any company that is pushing cheapness, which comes at a price, they are definitely on the green cock list. Your name will also go on the list. <laughs> what is it? Don't tell him, Pike. Pike. And those who put barriers um, against creating something that could be really, really beneficial. So deposit return schemes is something that the UK has been talking about for <laughs> what seems like a long time. Oh, God. No. Don't. Let Don't. Me. <laughs> Let me at it, Dave. Oh, no. You'd said it. <sighs> You've said the magic word. You've summoned him from his cave. I he love a deposit. Nothing I love else. a deposit return Nothing scheme. else. <laughs> I am actually a little bit sort of traumatised about how much it upsets you when I talk about it. But but these are, like, essentially sort of vending machines in reverse, Vending machines right? in reverse. Did vending you get a can of your British vending machine in reverse? Just because they got them you in think it's annoying and geeky doesn't make it a bad idea. <laughs> As discussed, I did my sodding dissertation on... I know! Well, then I know! You, why didn't you do it better so that we've got deposit return schemes? I think this is a perfect example of how we know how to do things really well. And it's been demonstrated, particularly in the continent, particularly in Scandinavia, for a long time. We have loads of data which shows us how it could work. And yet we have governments that drag their heels and say they're thinking about it. And that is one of my biggest gripes is when barriers are put in place to stop great things happening that would have a huge amount of benefit because somebody doesn't really want to think about it too deeply or it will hurt their business. And yeah, you do hear that's... a lot of companies that lobby against things like that because exactly. they know it's not going to make them as much profit. And then we're back to the whole greed thing again. So you'd, in that instance, you'd, you would put, like Michael Gove would be in green cock corner. I don't really like talking about Michael Gove and the word cock in the same sentence. Oh, it's a big corner. A bit traumatizing but uh but he like the reason i mention him specifically is because he he's like the minister for consultations is what he got nicknamed wasn't it constantly mm. announcing that he would do a new green thing after he consulted and then what would happen is like i don't know plastics industry or whoever would say oh you can't possibly do this because we'll all run out of business and that would be that so plastic industry and michael gove in green cock corner On the subject of forcing businesses not to be gits, um, back in episode 142, about two years ago now, maybe a bit more than that, we talked to a very clever person about the right to repair, which I think, if memory serves, so that's the idea that you can, you, you, oh God, take your thing what is breaking and you should be allowed to repair it. Because actually a lot of products, like if this blinking Mac, as I found out when I had the unfortunate incident with a previous computer, um, you can't repair a lot of this stuff. Like it breaks and you are stuck with a dud thing. We were talking um, before we come on, right, about your old iPhone, which you can't really do anything about. At some point, that's just going to become a brick. You have no ability to kind of make it better. So that was going to be, if memory serves, the law that you could have the right to repair. Is it the law yet? Well, it did come into force in the UK and back in summer. So, yes, oh. we do have the right ah. to repair in the UK. But oh. as with many things, there is a but. It's not perfect. It's better, but it's not perfect. It doesn't cover all devices. It doesn't cover everything, really. So it will cover things like washing machines and, and you know, things with screens. Tumble dryers are in there as well, yes. Um, but it won't cover absolutely everything. So it doesn't cover things like mobile devices, which we could argue is one of the things that gets busted Why? the most. Because That's the point. Oh, because it it'll be bad for business minister, right? There's That's a lot of that. Yeah. Um, uh. And the other thing is there's not a cap on the amount that these repair... Um, elements would actually cost. 
So the idea is really everybody that was sort of talking about right to repair would be that this is a democratic way of keeping your your products alive. You should be able to take the back off your tumble dryer, figure out what bit has gone wrong because it should be obvious and products should be designed for disassembly. And you could unbolt that thing and put the new thing in and happy days, your tumble dryer will work again. And yet, as it currently stands, it's not quite like that. It means that the elements might cost a a considerable amount of money. And then you've got that toss up between getting something repaired versus what the new product is. And if the new product is on sale, is it going to be easier, stroke, even cheaper, perhaps to get the new thing rather than repair the thing? And also there's the part of the legislation is that um, a technician might have to be employed to actually do the repair. So we might not be able to get, as regular people, regular consumers, we might not be able to get those parts directly from the manufacturer because they have to go through an approved technician. So you can understand that from maybe a safety point of view, but then you've also got that issue, I think, with the companies trying to control yeah. our their, you know our ability to get into stuff, very much like Apple does with its uh, take it to one of our approved genuses or we might not make part of your phone work anymore. And there's been loads of instances of that where yeah. people's you know face recognition has stopped working after they've had like a battery replaced and things. So it then really? comes a real tension. I heard that. that was, yeah. Like, oh... You've used a non-approved battery, so we're just going to make your phone shitter. Yeah, it means that you can't use it properly. You'd have to use a different way of getting in. So even though you know companies will quite often turn around and say this isn't our, this isn't what we're trying to do, you've got to think if it again comes against their their profit, then they're probably being a bit protectionist about it and trying to figure out ways of making us buy the new thing. So the right to repair, yes, it is here. It is in the UK. It's great. It's great progress. Is it perfect yet? No, but we'll get there. That company there, bastard. That company, bastard. Evil capitalism twisting us round its little finger, right? But at the same time, we're all bastards, right? Because, like, this stuff wouldn't work if we weren't in some way thinking, yes, I like new shiny things, or I must have new, or I must have clean, or I must have better than other people. Yeah, we do have a, a population that, like, that is that brains work like that. So what do we do about it? Yeah, we're all consumers. I mean, I know a lot of people don't like the word consume. Um, But if we think about it, we are consuming stuff all of the time. We're consuming the things that go through our bodies of the food, of course. But then we do have things that come into our life and then leave our life because they're no longer part of the way that we live. We have things that come into our life. It's like your tumble dry old that, you know, you didn't need that per se until you had a kid. And you're like, now it's an essential part of my life. But there might be a time where you don't need it so much. So we do consume and go through lots of different things. And that is fine. And I'm certainly not saying to people, live in a cave, eat berries, you know, skin your own deer and wear the, the you know, the skin as, as a covering to keep yourself warm. That's not what the circular economy is about. But it's about definitely having some kind of contentment with what you have without that continual need to have the new thing again and again and again. And... I use my phone quite a lot as an example when I'm teaching. Um, it's really old. It's like an iPhone SE, but the old SE. So it is about to get to the point where it will not be able to be updated. So the iOS, the security won't be able to be updated. And then it becomes maybe a security risk for people to be able to get into it easier. So there is a point where I'm almost being forced to get a newer phone. So what's the best thing to do? Would the best thing to be do would be to get a refurbished phone or maybe one that has been sent back somebody didn't like the color anymore and it's been used for 2 months and actually it was it's last fine. month's model and Exactly. Yeah. yeah, rose gold is no longer in so therefore, you know, I don't want that phone. Um that would be the best thing to do if I'm going to get a new phone would be to get one that maybe has come via somebody else rather than getting a new one. But I will need a new phone at some point regardless of what model I get. I will need a new phone. So it's just being slightly more mindful about those choices and not immediately jumping in to getting that new thing if you don't necessarily need it. <laughs> Get a haircut, hippie. <laughs> Sustainable of the week. Uh, there are, you know, there are a lot of things we talk about on this 
podcast, um, which are babble, which are things where people are trying to sound green when they're not. Um, and they use terms to make them sound as if they're green. And sustainability is the classic, like used to mean a thing, an actual thing. And now is just what Vodafone say when they want to be allowed to carry on doing what they're doing. And is other, there other green cockers are available? Yes, exactly. <laughs> many more, unfortunately. <laughs> many, many more. Yeah. Is is there a kind of risk, or has it happened already that circularity is going to be one of those terms, the circular economy? Because you do sort of see it already. Is quite a lot, right? And what's, know, the, what's that example? Is Ar- was Arabella? Arabella, could you read out the first example I found when I put circular economy into some internet? In large infrastructure projects, applying circular economy principles requires a holistic approach in establishing circular solutions. Company X does this and also utilises a communication platform to gain a solid... What's going on with that? Problems to be tackled. I think, do you know what? I think we're seeing that more and more. So circular economy as a term is one that still isn't quite in the everyday person's everyday language. Um, but exactly as you said with sustainability, sustainability just became the buzzword that everybody used to make everybody think that they were doing good stuff. And actually, I've banned the word sustainable from my module when I teach circular economy um, mm-hmm. up at the University of Sussex. In the first lecture, I'm like, this is the swear word of, of many, but this is the <laughs> swear word of the module. If we say it without the, you know, saying before, I'm going to use the S word. Then a pound goes in the jar and we buy donuts at the end of the module. So, And that goes for me as well as the students. So I'm like, use better language. Talk about regeneration. Talk about something really tangible. Because sustainability is just, ugh, it means something different to everybody and it's been used too much. Um, and circularity is getting like that. So working in this industry and seeing that term and reading so many things that people send me about circular stuff, so much of it is being used as that, oh, crap, here's a good buzzword. This makes us look like we're doing something that's at the forefront of stuff. So, yes, we have a circular business. And then you look at it and you go, how exactly is that a circular business? What 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 are you doing? And it does become that greenwash, mm. you know, circularity. That's what everybody's talking about now, right? And, yeah, loads of people are talking about it. But... We need to sort of be able to examine and sort of pick away at the, the skin of a, of a comment and go, yeah, what exactly is under that? It's like a scratch card. It might say circularity on the top, but what actually is underneath that? And the more you dig, the more you generally find that it's sometimes a load of bollocks. <laughs> but it does. the point is it does mean a thing. It means a thing. And your book is very specific about what it does mean. But you should be very wary of people just saying, we are circular. In order to be circular, we do things in a circular way. And that means we're circular. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it would be something I say all the way through the book is ask questions. If you don't know, ask a question of a brand. Well, why are you saying this? Or where is the data that supports that thing that you've said on your website? So where does that come from? Is that current? Or is it something you've dug up from five years ago because you had a really good year? And you just want to tell people about that. And what I really love is when you see brands that are transparent and say, look, we're trying to do this, but we can't do that yet because we can't do it economically or we have an issue with this part of our supply chain. But the ones that are honest and say, this is where we are now. This is where we want to get to. And we're on that journey. I hate the word journey. That's one of my personal stick a pound yeah, in the jar. On a well. journey. Yeah, that on gets... a journey. Everybody's on a journey. But it oh, is true in the journey. sense that... You know, brands that are, are there any brands that are completely, wonderfully, perfectly circular? Barely any. The point is, ladies and gentlemen, that greed, for lack of a better word, is good. Greed is right. Greed works. So what about people in all of this? Naomi Klein has done a load of stuff um, about how the same mindset that uses stuff in a linear way also uses people in a linear way. So just for every kind of thing that is dug out of the earth and discarded, um, there is a person who is used by a system and discarded. So would you agree with that? And then what about like the kind of jobs things? Because if we are buying less shit we don't need from the other side of the world, that's going to 
cost jobs for those people on the other side of the world? And should we worry about that? Because a lot of people might. Yeah, I think people should really worry about it because um, it's like we said at the beginning, it's if something's cheap, it's because a, a corner is being cut somewhere in that sort of like that cost chain. And quite often it's people, it's people are valued so lowly in um, in countries where maybe there isn't the same kind of um, work regulations that we have elsewhere and people are used very much as that cog in the wheel without really any respect and it is something we should be deeply concerned about. And again, we see this a lot in resources. So mining, this happens a lot. You get a lot of child labour, um, very much in the fashion industry as well. You hear a lot of stories of of overcrowded factories. And there was, you know, the Rana Plaza disaster where the factory collapsed. And there were many, many more people in that building that should have been. Uh, and people that were highlighting that there were structural issues with the building, i.e. had cracks in the wall and they weren't listened to by the people that were managing them um if you're buying a pair of jeans for a fiver you need to think where is that where is that money being cut and ultimately it is in the people um it's in the environmental cost with how things are growing but it's very much with people so if we think about maybe buying less less crap and we don't go to the high street stores that you can get a pair of jeans for five and we stop doing that. There is a concern that people go, well, what about those people who are creating products for those brands uh, on the high street? But then the sort of flip side of that is like, well, if it means that those people are producing products that are maybe sold at a higher price point, so a slightly higher price point on the high street, maybe it means that they actually have to make less of those things. And maybe it means that the person managing them in the factory is able to get maybe a slightly better profit margin on less amount of units. So instead of being squeezed to produce 10,000 of one item and they need to produce only a fraction of that, it means that there's less pressure to actually produce those items at such a low point, which means that people would actually get a fairer wage. And of course, on all of that, we can. there are plenty of um, schemes that people can look for that do offer fair wages for, for their, their employees down the supply chain. But again, we need to be careful about the green cocking in this, the greenwashing, because some brands will quite happily stick on their front page of their website. We're doing this amazing thing. You know, we're making sure that our workers are paid a living wage. But then again, when you dig into it, it's only for one particular line of their entire, you know, mass of clothing that they might actually be selling to us. So, um Again, if there's something that you that you are really passionate about and people should be very much part of that, people and planet, they go hand in hand. Um, find the, the, the companies and the brands that are actually caring about those people and not exploiting them the same way as they are the environment. Which is also where the regulate comes in as well. It is. It yeah. is. Yeah, rules and regulations. Lord, heaven's above. I'm only human after all. I'm only human. Right, that is just about it for another episode of Babble. Thank you very, very much, Claire, for being excellent. I thought Claire was excellent. I enjoyed talking to Claire, learning from her, listening to her and bouncing with her. You can follow Claire on the Twitter at Claire Potter, on the Instagram at Claire Potter Design, or she's got an website, what is at www.onecircular.world. And thank you to Arabella for so nobly reading out the eco-guff. And thank you to the legendary Dickie Moore for the music that starts, ends and intertwinkles this podcast and to the venerable and splendid Arthur Stovall for the logo, what adorns our website and our t-shirts, what you can buy, walk around, look like babble at wwwsustainababble.fish. Did you see that thing whereby Dickie Moore yes. had an entire sold out uh, London music venue, like one of the big ones, Shepherd's Bush Empire or something, singing happy birthday to him when he was on the final date of his tour with Scritti Politti. We never say this about Dickie Moore. We're always like, oh, Dickie Moore does the music, check out Dickie Moore's band Bearcraft, which you should. Dickie Moore, bloody guitarist for Scritti Politti, that's what Dickie Moore is, and it was his birthday, and Green got him, got the whole audience to sing um, happy birthday at him. Happy birthday, Dickie. Happy birthday, Dickie. Right, if you'd like to get in touch with us, send us anything. Uh, to do we always like new episode ideas do send mm. us those good one um, good one we've had this week we're going to do it what's that 
a one-off for Rory. We're going to do that. I'll tell you about it. We're going to oh, do I it. Didn't see that. Good. Excellent. Uh, yeah, send us episode ideas. Send us feedback. Tell us things that you thought were wrong or funny or um, outrageous or libelous. Definitely the libelous ones. Tell us about that. <laughs> Particularly uh, you can... if you are, e.g., a lawyer. Yes. Uh, so please send emails to hello at sustainababble.fish or you can tweet us. Don't tell us about the libelous stuff on Twitter. Just just no. do that on email. But you can tweet us at sustain... Oh, I got it wrong! Ha-ha! I knew you would! I had a little bet with myself you were going to get this wrong and you did! Oh, that's never happened before. I know that's what people say when things happen all the time, but that has never happened before. You can tweet Tumble us. Tumble dryer owning mealy mascot. <laughs> Die on this hill. <sighs> you can tweet us at the Babble Wagon. Ah. You can search Facebook for Sustain a Babble. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And you can give us cash. Have we talked about that enough times? Probably not. Give us no. cash by going to Patreon. P A T R E O N dot com forward slash Sustain a Babble. And listen, no one ever does this. We know that loads and loads and loads of people listen. We know that. No one ever does it. I never do it. When a podcast asks me to do it, I don't do it. And I listen to loads of podcasts. But if you like the babble, please give it, particularly on iTunes, but anywhere else, go and give it a rating. Five stars would be lovely. And please write a little review. It means a lot. It gets babble listened to by more people. Unless you don't want to share the babble with anyone else, which I understand. I don't. But Exactly. But that's not the market we're in here. We're in the educate the world market. So do that. Right, good. Are we done yet? Yes, I'm off to Greencock. You? Uh, I'm off. I'm not <laughs> off to Greencock, you. No, I'm, no, I'm sorry. I'm, I was, I'm off I'm, to Greencock. What are you off to do? Not that. I'm off. Bye. <laughs> Bye! Hey, all. Hey, all. Hey, all. Hey, all. Hey, all. Hey, all. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Oh, hey. So... Man walks into a bar with a giraffe and he says to the barman, pint of lager for me, please. Pint of lager for the giraffe. The man nexes, the giraffe nexes, and the man goes, another pint, please. Another pint for me, another pint for the giraffe. Man nexes pint, giraffe nexes pint. The bloke goes, another one, please, barman. Pint for me, pint for the giraffe. So the man nexes pint. Giraffe next his pint. And then the giraffe all of a sudden just falls over, passes out on the floor, completely pissed. Takes a while, see, for the the beer to kind of travel mm, down his yeah, down yeah. his neck. Yeah. And the barman goes, Whoa, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute, mate. You can't leave that lion there. And the bloke goes, It's not a lion, it's a giraffe. Do you know how precious we finished the record ten minutes earlier than I said I would be available to put the kids to bed. I've got ten 10 precious minutes to sit in my ass and do nothing and you kept me from that say thank you for that yes <laughs>